0: as a man, if I'm passive, I'm not giving my wife something to submit to. I'm not giving her something to follow. You know, Whereas if I'm seeking the Lord, I'm asking God, what is your vision for our family, for my marriage? How do I grow in these ways? As opposed to just saying, well, this is how I am. I find that so many people just, they default to their natural tendency. But again, like normal is broke. Our natural tendencies and our leanings, they tend towards the road of least resistance or the path of least resistance, you know? growth and like leading and leadership is hard. It's demanding. Like it requires us to lay down our lives. And I find so many men would just rather they they're content with bringing home a paycheck uh, and then they come home and they're checked out emotionally. So even if they're there physically, you know, they're not speaking blessing into their wife, into their kids. They're not casting vision for this is what I want our home to look like. And so my big passion in, in over the last few years is really to to see men, especially men in the church, rise up, be the spiritual leaders of their home, be the practical leader.
1: This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful, kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello, and welcome to
2: another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spitler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week, I have a great friend on with me, Steve Cross. Steve, so great to have you on the show this week. Yeah, honored to be with you. So Steve, I know you to be a successful entrepreneur, you also do counseling, you have your master's in counseling and and so I'm excited to jump into some of your stories today. You're actually one of our newest members to King's Council. So why don't we start there? What what originally drew you to King's Council? Heard about it and
0: just kind of got a little bit of the content. Uh, I just saw men and women who were passionate about bringing God's economy. To this earth, you know, and uh, I think so often people can have wrong views about money, and and can just disqualify themselves in a lot of ways of being excellent. And I just saw men and women that were just pursuing business for God's glory, just doing it in a way that was, yeah, I just thought was so biblical. And uh, so those are things I want to grow in. It's I didn't grow up with kind of a entrepreneurial background. My parents were just kind of blue collar workers, living paycheck to paycheck, not much of a plan. And I've always thought uh, when we first got married, we did the Dave Ramsey course. And I love one of the things he always says is normal is broke, you know, and that's not just financially, that's relationally, physically, you know, the average person like isn't considering those pillars of, you know, financial and physical and emotional and spiritual. Uh, And I've always just said, I don't want to live, you know, in a passive kind of just off the cuff sort of way. I want to be intentional with, with my life and live a life that's significant. And the only way that happens is being around other people who are also like, that's their goal. Cause we all do it differently and we all have our own perspective. And when we get alongside one another, it's like we multiply uh, our efforts. You know, I love someone said recently, like if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. And it's about having a tribe that is like-minded and um, pursuing the same things. So
2: Absolutely. Well, I definitely want to ask you some questions about marriage and family and and some of pick your brain and some of the expertise that you have there. But let's actually start off with some of your entrepreneurial journey. How did you get started with entrepreneurship and was that a, an easy road from the get-go for you or or how did some of that come about? Yeah, that was definitely, like I said, I I did not grow up in
0: that kind of atmosphere. Um, Looking back, my dad actually did try some things here and there growing up, I think just because of my dad struggled with alcohol a lot. And uh, I think that was the thing that always kind of caused his plans to get derailed is that he just couldn't get mastery over that issue uh, until much later in life. Um, So the idea of like starting your own business, entrepreneurial, that's, I didn't experience that. And I didn't know a whole lot of people that were kind of doing that successfully but I married an amazing wife who, uh, she did grow up in that atmosphere. Um, her her brother is at least fifth generation farmer. And I think sometimes people have wrong mindsets about farming, you know, or what, kind of what I, I definitely did coming into this family, but they, uh, they went to college for farming. So they understand kind of the business side of it. They understand uh, a little bit of marketing and forecasting and just things that are really helpful. So my wife kind of gleaned that, you know, seeing her, her dad and her brother. And so my wife has always encouraged me in that way. So when we first got married, uh, my background is in social work. I studied um, kind of family dynamics, marriage, parenting, kind of family systems, and kind of understanding communication, how, how families, where, where breakdowns happen, you know, and what causes a lot of family conflict. And how do we, how do we work around that? When I came out of college, I was doing social work, which is incredibly demanding and not very lucrative. Well, uh, my wife and I, we have five kids, and uh, one of our goals has always been for my wife to be primarily kind of stay-at-home mom, run the household, and do those kind of things. But my wife is also like her, her father and her brother and is not content with just being at home and being, you know, like she's always thinking. She is very entrepreneurial mindset. and so When we first got married, we had a a close family friend who started a senior home care business, kind of a franchise. And the organization that he was a part of, they were starting a pilot program where they understood there was a lot of people who wanted to get in on the franchise, but maybe didn't have the upfront money. And so there was kind of this model that they were trying to pilot. They would front the money on the front end. You would do a lot of the legwork far start starting up an office, hiring staff, getting out in the community and developing relationships with potential referral sources. And then the goal would be for you to gradually kind of buy out and take over complete ownership of that. But because it was a pilot program, I was kind of the guinea pig in which they worked out a lot of those kinks. And uh, after working 70 hour work weeks for nine months to a year, just, you know, I mean, at one point I went to church and someone was like, are you doing okay, Steve? Because you don't look well. I hadn't realized it because I was just grinding so hard, but I had lost like 20 pounds and I'm pretty skinny to begin with. So I didn't have a lot to lose, but I was just killing it, trying to make this thing successful. Well, at a certain point, my supervisor, who was not exactly the easiest person to work with, she just kind of was like, you know what, we're done. We've put as much money as we want to put in on this, you know, and, and that was kind of, I felt like I was like three feet from gold you know, I was starting to see referrals from these, these referral sources as building relationship. We actually had, we probably had about 20 clients at that point and uh, were, was starting to move towards profitability. And so I was like, are you kidding me? You know, like I've sacrificed my health, sacrificed my marriage, you know, to some extent. So I, it was, it was crushing to just that feel like the rug had been pulled out. And I felt like a failure in that because I was like, I did everything that they were telling me to do everything, you know, and some of it was, you know, um, challenges on their end. And so as they were figuring this thing out, so, so that was kind of the first business I tried that was, it was hard to kind of process that and kind of, kind of look at it as anything other than a failure, you know? Um, But God worked through that. And uh, in hindsight, you know, I, I realized the relationships that came from that, the confidence that I was able to build in and just kind of going out and striking up relationships with people from scratch, you know, I'm going in cultivating these, you know, and getting in front of them on a regular basis and kind of, you know, giving them a little bit more of like, this is what we You know, so I developed so many relationships that I still have from that experience and um, skills and experiences that are just, I still, I still use that in my current role. And so that was, that was my first uh, entrepreneurial endeavor
2: I don't know if that, I don't know if you want me to get into the second one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know how much time we'll have for it. I know you've you've had a, a couple endeavors, and then this last one, well, I shouldn't say the last one, but the most recent one being very successful. It's funny when I introduced you, you have so many things going on, obviously, like you said, you're married, father of five entrepreneur. Uh, I talked about you having your masters in counseling. I didn't even mention that you and your wife also run a crisis pregnancy center. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing there?
0: Yeah. So, before we ever met, my my wife and I, we uh were involved in pro-life causes to varying degrees and around 2016, you know, before the election, um felt like that was a big thing that God was kind of bringing back to the surface and just realizing like we kind of disengaged from the fight, but have always felt like it's one of the greatest, it's the greatest evil of our day. And so we began to pray on a monthly basis with our church. We just had First uh, Monday of every month, we do our uh, pro-life prayer meeting and just reaching to God that uh, to see things like Roe versus Wade overturned, um, to see pro-life judge, judges put into place and um, seeing God answer thing after thing. And uh, it was around that time that uh, my wife was asked to come onto the board uh, of our local pre- uh, pregnancy center. About a year ago, um, the current executive the executive director at that time was kind of transitioning out and we had always kind of hired from outside and found that to be a struggle because, you know, people can interview really well, you know, and say the right things and and, and even kind of have a, have a good resume and track record of functioning in some of the roles that is required of this position. But then they get in and maybe aren't, you know, united in the vision or just the priorities that they have, you know, may not be in line with like the, our board of directors. And so when we were looking to Uh, replace this person that was transitioning out they asked my wife to to take over but uh, we homeschool our oldest three are uh, in school and so uh, and then we have an essential oil business on the side which is our primary source of income Uh, so my wife you know she's like i have to give attention to this as well Uh, so she's like there's no way i can take this role on by myself but if you'd be willing to have my husband and i kind of partner in this role because a lot of the role is kind of getting out in the community, talking with donors, kind of building relationships, which is some of the skill set I was able to build in, in the senior healthcare business that I was doing before. So it's a great partnership. Uh, my wife's background is in nursing. So when we first came on, she was instrumental in getting all of our nurse sonographers trained. And uh, so, yeah, so she kind of oversaw our, our nurse staff and making sure that coverage was was set and all those good things. And then I was able to kind of focus on fundraising and donor relations and yeah, those kind of external communications. So yeah, we've been in this role for about a year. It's not been without its challenges, but God has been so faithful to to advance uh, us in a lot of the ways that we, getting more abortion-determined women into our doors. um, So that way we can provide, In, in the state of Wisconsin, a woman can't have an abortion unless she has an ultrasound first. Problem is, if you go to Planned Parenthood or something like that, they'll do the ultrasound to kind of check that box, but they won't actually let you see the baby, whereas we see the baby. And a lot of these women, once they see that image, you know, they see that baby on that screen, it's, it's life-changing. It's powerful. And so we've got a great ultrasound machine that shows that baby in high definition. And yeah, just the second half of 2021, we had 30 women who were abortion-minded choose choose life for their baby. Uh, and I'm not sure where we're at our goal. Um, so we, we just opened up a second location. So we have one in both our town and the next town over our goal in 2022 is 100 lives saved between those two locations. So we're seeing just a gradual increase uh, of clients all the time are expanding our marketing efforts to try to widen our net of uh, between Milwaukee and, and Illinois, getting more, more of those abortion vulnerable and abortion determined women into our doors.
2: Yeah. When you say abortion determine women, can you give me an example of like one of these women that's that's come into your clinic? And what does that really look like that that change of heart?
0: Yeah, I think so often abortion has been kind of sold as just like the easy way out. And it's almost become like a form of birth control. Um, I've had women and and men say, you know, we kind of just knew like if we got pregnant, they didn't want to use protection or, you know, um, contraception anyway. And so they would just say, yeah, we knew if, if we got pregnant unexpectedly that we would just have an abortion. And so we had a young, young lady come in recently. She actually thought that we were an abortion provider, even though we, she was told multiple times before she came in, like, we just don't, we don't do that. You know, we do ultrasounds, we do pregnancy tests, we provide resources and we do all these different things. And so she called Planned parenthood from our lobby and, uh, praise God, Planned parenthood didn't answer and uh our client advocate was kind of able to talk her down because she was pretty she was pretty angry because she thought she was coming for an abortion and she was able to say i know you had your mind made up or you know you thought you're having an abortion today but you have to have an ultrasound and rather than go and pay for it at at planned parenthood or somewhere else like we we offer those for free so as long as you're here why don't we just do it she takes her back she you know she uh, agrees to do that and uh, uh and then it turns out she's carrying twins and so in that moment, she, you know, the reasons that, that she was considering abortion were still there, you know, but seeing the reality of what she was carrying, you know, it, it moved from, you know, it's so often in the pro-choice movement, they there's all these euphemisms for it's a, it's a fetus, it's a clump of cells, you know, there's a there's a dehumanization, there's a minimization of what it is that they're carrying. When they see that life and all its detail, you see arms and legs and spine and, you know, it's it's undeniably a human. You know, it's uh, it's not what what our what our culture often portrays it as. And so in that moment, she's like, well, those are clearly my children and I I can't go through with an abortion now, you know, and so. But then it begins the hard work of us coming alongside him and saying okay, yeah, you have these very real needs. Often it's financial, but sometimes they're in school and they don't see how they can finish their education, you know? And so, um, so we start identifying and prioritizing, like, what are the things that make you feel like abortion is your only choice, you know, and let's start addressing those things, you know? And so we come alongside them. We uh, provide practical uh, solutions to the things that make them feel like I have to have an abortion. And so, Uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's really rewarding to see lives changed, lives saved. And then obviously, we not obviously, but we also are really bold in sharing the gospel as well, because it's not about just saving the baby, but it's helping them come into the abundant life that, that God desires for them, you know, and help them identify, you know, you can change your whole family tree. God can change your whole family tree. I know all you've known is dysfunction. Some of these ladies are coming from domestic violence situations, or sometimes there's human trafficking involved. So helping get them out of those situations, help address their very real needs and empower them um, to to live the life that God has for them.
2: Hmm. That's absolutely amazing. I'm just blown away hearing some of these stories. But that's one of the criticisms you get a lot, right? In the pro-life movement is all you ever care about is the baby. Like you don't actually care about the woman. You're just fighting for the baby's needs. But, you know, if that woman is in a a very difficult situation, how are you caring for her? But what I heard you saying is that you're stepping into that situation and providing some of those resources for her as well. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And one of our initiatives that we're pursuing right now is actually even starting a, a home for these women a maternity home of sorts, you know, because oftentimes they are in such toxic environments and they might want to choose life, but their family is saying, if you have this baby, then we're kicking you out. You know, like some of them have been told this, like before they got pregnant, you know, like if you get pregnant mm-hmm. out of wedlock or whatever, you know, you're out of here, you know? Yeah. We want to remove as many reasons as possible for them to think that that they have to have an abortion, you know? Uh, and sometimes it's just being that calm voice in the midst of crisis, you know, the feeling of yeah, of crisis that they they are experiencing. Uh, I had one young lady who uh, she was in high school and she, you know, I don't remember what month it was. I, I think it was like a February. It was February or something like that. She was graduating in May, but she wasn't due until like November. And she was like, well, I can't have this baby. Like, how am I going to finish school? And we're just we just kind of stopped and said you're gonna be graduated like before this baby comes you know it's probably a little bit more challenging if you're having morning sickness and like you're having to go to class but like it's doable you know and sometimes then you just need to talk through the logic of things and like the particulars and say you're scheduled to graduate here but you're not due till here so and, and she was just kind of like oh yeah I guess I hadn't really thought of that you know that's just the simplicity of the timeline uh, so many of these people they they have no community. Uh, Even if they live by their family, they're often estranged or it's just, like I said, really just toxic relationships. And so just even coming into our center and having people that um, will listen to them and show concern and just say, like, we're here for you. Like, even if, God forbid, you choose to have an abortion, we're still here for you. And we work with another agency that provides post-abortive care. So helping the women like to deal with that decision. Um, But obviously we are advocating, you know, we're this is life we're talking about made in the image of God. And so we are, you know, I think that's something that we've kind of brought since we've come into this role is just a sense of urgency in both advocating for life and then also proclaiming the gospel because some of these ladies, we, we, and men, we have one shot. I mean, they may only come in our doors one time for that pregnancy test or that ultrasound. So we just, you know, in the past, I think we've been to like I got to build the relationship and maybe next time they come in, you know, it's like, I've got to earn the right to say that to them. But it's like, no, like, like I said, you might never see them again. So let's make the most of this opportunity. Obviously we want to be led by the spirit. Um, We never want to be manipulative or condemning or shaming in any way, but just some of our sonographers and staff, like they've, they've had abortions themselves so they can speak from personal experience. Say, I was where you are And I, I chose abortion and I regret it every day, you know? Uh, And so again, these powerful experiences, God shows up in those moments and they pray with these ladies, you know, they just, and most of these women, they don't, they don't even know how to process it because they've just never seen, like we, as Christians, we can take for granted fellowship and community. And we just think, doesn't everybody live like this? But most of our clients, they, like I said, they're coming from just such dysfunctional situations, which reminds me, um, my wife and I also do foster care. We're not fostering at the moment, but, um, one of the first kids that we took in, um, we met the mom at, at court to, try to just meet her and, and kind of develop a relationship with her and just say, Hey, we're not here to take your child. Like we want to help you like to get your life back on track. You know, if we can support you in any way, encourage you, we want to be that. And, um, you know so she met my wife and I we, you know we were there together like waiting for court to begin and she just couldn't even wrap her mind around the fact that that my wife and I like all of our kids were our kids like you know she she kept asking and she's like so is this your boyfriend and my, my wife's like no this is my husband and she's like how many kids do you have and I, at that time we had four kids and she said he's the dad of all four of your kids. Like to her that was such a foreign concept like to have multiple kids with the same dad. Like who does that?
2: Well, it's absolutely amazing, Steve. I mean, the fact that you said 30 abortion determined women chose life. I mean, you're literally saving lives and you're preaching the gospel to these women and men that are coming into your your centers. I mean, I've heard you talk about this before where you said you know sometimes these women that are in high school and they're in a vulnerable position if they go to a planned parenthood that they're actually sold an abortion that they're being pressured and pushed into a decision that you know is going to have a lot of repercussions down the line last question i wanted to ask you before we transition into some of the counseling work that you're doing what would you say to someone i know you you just had mentioned that you had some people on staff that have had an abortion what would you say to someone that's maybe listening to this podcast right now, and and they're starting to feel maybe they've had an abortion in the past, and they're feeling some measure of condemnation? How does somebody respond to that right now?
0: We know that scripture; it says, "There's there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." And so, God is in the business of redeeming. You know, just like He re, He's redeemed my failed businesses to kind of give me a greater perspective on. You know, all the things that came, the good things that came from that, God can use that story to show his power, you know, to, to take that and to be the voice to somebody else who's in that same situation and, uh, to save a life and to, to see someone come into eternal life. And so, yeah, I would just say, bring that before God and just ask God to deliver you from any condemnation and just begin seeking him for God. What is it? How is it that you want to use my story? to, you know, not everyone is, is wired or, you know, gifted necessarily to be someone that is having these conversations with these moms, but maybe it's, you're volunteering your time, like to clean the building or to, uh, like, we have a baby boutique where moms can come in and get diapers and wipes and clothing and baby shampoo, all, you know, but we need someone that organizes that and keeps those things uh, in line. And there's, there's ways to get involved. Obviously, you can donate financially. Yeah. I would just say, ask God to deliver you from any shame regarding that and just ask him to, to reveal to you how he's leading you to, to engage in that, in that fight. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough subject. So a lot of people, they don't want to engage, like, especially if they, they feel disqualified, if they've themselves had an abortion, but I would just say fight against that lie. That's the enemy wanting to keep you on the sidelines. Uh, And God is in the business of taking those dark things, those, things that we consider shameful uh, and using him for his glory. So
2: hmm. yeah, great, great. Well, I do want to transition here to talking about I know you you work with couples and you work with families. What are some of the biggest issues that you're seeing in families today? Because whether it's in the church or outside of the church, There are so many broken and dysfunctional families. What are a couple of things that you're seeing as big issues that a lot of people are just missing in their relationships?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much talk about toxic masculinity these days. And I think a far bigger issue is absent masculinity. Since the beginning of the sexual revolution, you know, and the rise of feminism, women have been repeatedly told, you need a man like a fish needs a bike. This diminishing of the role of husband and father and God's designed men to lead, uh, to protect, to provide, to speak blessing over their children and their wives and to image out God. God reveals himself as father, not that there's not feminine attributes to, to God, but he primarily chooses to reveal himself as father and, and masculine. And so I think there's something tremendously lost when that is diminished and that is demonized in a lot of ways and just like I think so many men have not had men in their life or the men that they have had have been uh, incredibly again toxic and so there's been this kind of pendulum swing to the other way where men have become very passive then feminized so many um, young boys not only do they not grow up with their dad but they spend all their time with their mom or female teachers and and I'm not not knocking that you know um but um, there can just be a feminization of men like in our public school system. They're, they're expected to sit and be quiet and like pay attention all day, you know, and it's just not designed for young boys. Like we know boys, they want to run and jump and punch and wrestle and make a weapon out of anything they can find, you know. And so there's constant messaging from our, our culture saying like, stop that. Like, that's not good. That's, that's toxic. You know, like you need to be like this. You need to be more nurturing, you know, and, and there is some truth to that, but it's swung too way too far the other way. And so I just think there is just a real loss of like, what, what does biblical masculinity look like? God has designed us to be, again, like I said, leaders, protectors, there's a, there's an active role that is, that is there. And so our sinful side wants to be passive and, let our our wives take the lead i've been guilty of this no doubt like i said my wife is very she's very future focused you know her brain is always going she's always got ideas about vacation and business opportunities and we should get together with this you know and so and it's not that, that we necessarily fight against that but it's we try to bring balance to that and bring leadership into those relationships and and as a man if i'm passive i'm not giving my wife something to submit to I'm not giving her something to follow, you know, whereas if I'm seeking the Lord, I'm asking God, what is your vision for our family, for my marriage? How do I grow in these ways? As opposed to just saying, well, this is how I am. I find that so many people just, they default to their natural tendency. But again, like normal is broke. Our natural tendencies and our leanings, they tend towards the road of least resistance or the path of least resistance, you know, growth and like leading and leadership is hard. It's, demanding, like it requires us to lay down our lives. And I find so many men would just rather they, they're content with bringing home a paycheck uh, and then they come home and they're checked out emotionally. So even if they're there physically, you know, they're not speaking blessing into their wife, into their kids. They're not casting vision for this is what I want our home to look like. And so my big passion in, in over the last few years is really to, to see men, especially men in the church, rise up, be the spiritual leaders of their home, be the practical leader. You know, in our family, my wife is she's she's more gifted in in, in managing finances, doing the budgeting. But it's up to me as the, the leader of the household to be like, hey, we haven't looked at the budget in a while. Let's sit down. Let's examine. Are we spending too much in this category? Where can we where can we cut costs? Where can we how are we doing on like investing or so it's not me being in charge of everything. But it's again, it's me taking initiative setting the course rather than just like, well, let's just see where life takes us. You know, that's where I grew up in. My family never planned anything. We live paycheck to paycheck and God doesn't want us. We don't end up in successful places by accident. If we're not intentional, if we don't have vision, I would say God given vision, we're not going to live the lives of excellence and significance that he has for us. And recently I've just been feeling God say, I've got more for you. I have plans. I have um, great things that I want you to step in, but you're not ready for it and you need to level up. You need to say, how am I doing spiritually? How am I doing physically? Like, am I disciplined? Am I being a good steward of my money and my time and my relationships? Um, because if you're not, he's not going to entrust you with more. He's, I'm just, he's been speaking. I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. And then you will step into some of these things. And in his graciousness, he sometimes kind of pulls me to the doorstep Of these opportunities, you know, and I feel like he spurs me. All right. And he puts his finger on this and says, you really need to get intentional about leveling up in this way, because this is coming. And if you, if you're not ready, it's going to pass you by, or it's going to be really tough, like trying to navigate that um, without these disciplines or these things in place. So
2: Hmm. Hmm. let's go, Steve. You're getting me all fired up here, getting me jacked up. Yeah, you talked about passivity being one of the main issues with men. And it was one of the things that, thankfully, I had good people around me that told me when I got married not to be passive. And they said, make decisions. It's one of the issues that I see with men in particular that we just don't want to make decisions about anything, you know, it's like, well, where do you want to go out to dinner? I don't know. You choose, you know? And it's like, how often can we say you choose to our wife? And we think we're being kind because we're saying I'm preferring you. It actually doesn't matter to me, but there has to be a measure. And obviously going out to dinner is, is just one small example, but there has to be a measure of you actually making a decision and saying, this is what I'm choosing. And Sure, you can check with your wife on that and say, do you feel good about that? Or whatever, you know, bring her into the conversation. I'm not saying be domineering, but I remember early on just feeling like I know that being passive is wrong. So I don't know if I'm choosing the right direction here, but I'm going to choose the direction, you know? And so if you're out there and you're feeling afraid and you're like, okay, you're telling me to set the tone in my home. You're telling me to set the course. What if I'm, you know, what if I'm off a little bit? that's okay, do something, like just get started. You'll realize as you go, okay, maybe that wasn't exactly right, but you'll adjust as you go. The biggest issue that Steve's talking about here is is not just people going in the wrong direction, It's that they're aimless. It's that they're going in no direction, that they're sitting there and they're putting that on their wives and saying, you set the tone in our home. You raise the kids. You take care of the finances. I'll just go to work. I'll bring home the paycheck, but you actually set the vision and the the tone. So man, I'm getting so fired up with what you're saying, Steve. You can respond to what I just said, but how does someone start? Maybe they're connecting with what you're saying, and they're saying, "Okay, I want to start taking more action, being decisive in my home." Where's the starting place?
0: I would just say it's in the seemingly insignificant things. When I kind of got revelation on this a few years ago, um, of just the ways that I was being passive, it was in a lot of just silly things. It was like it was in, yeah, choosing restaurants or like, yeah, what are we gonna have to eat for dinner tonight or Uh, what movie are we going to watch as a family? Just realize like, we're not talking about that you need to go and you need to have this total upheaval of your, of your family and the dynamics and your schedule. But it's, it's even communicating to your wife. I want to grow in these ways. I want to, I don't want to be passive, like, and just begin to, like you said, not in a domineering way, but just to begin making choices. Yeah, for us, like morning devotional times, I can think like, oh, I got to find like the perfect book or like it has to, you know, just kind of building it up too much in your mind. And it's like, let's just get started. You know, like my in my family, yes. like we get up, you know, um, we have breakfast together. And then we, before the kids start school, we we spend some time um, reading from the Bible or we have this kind of, it's it's geared more for kids, um, but it, it's, it's taking us through like the whole Old Testament. Um, so we have just a like a 10 minute, maybe not even that long reading. And it's, it gives opportunities to kind of draw out like questions in the kids. Uh, and then we um, spend some time in worship and then prayer. Um, but that I'm the one that's initiating that in the morning. You know, there's times where the kids, you know, are like, uh, we don't want to do that. But I'm like, no, like this is something that we are saying is important to us. And we're, so I, I've taken the lead in that, you know, uh, when it comes to, Yeah. How are we going to spend our time? Like making sure that we're looking at our week, you know, uh, my wife and I, so that we, things aren't falling through the cracks or, or, you know, miscommunications aren't happening. I'm taking lead in those things. And so, so I I think it's just beginning small, not making drastic changes, but just, you know, talking with your wife and praying, uh, praying together, you know, and there's ways that you can um, take leadership in different areas, whether it's spiritual, physical, you know, emotional. And I'm um, just, just asking God, God, what is it that you want us to do? If you want to pray for the will of God? Like this is it.
2: Yeah. it's so good, Steve. So if you're out there, you're listening, just know that God is a, he's an initiator. He's a creator. He's a builder. He's a vision caster. He's a protector. He's a leader. And he's created you in his image. Like he's actually designed you to be those things. And so, this is hopefully a challenge, but it's also an invitation to step into that man or woman that God's created you to be. Like, step into that person. That person is there in front of you. God's designed you in that way. Now it's time for you to set the tone in some of these areas. You know, Steve said, start small. So, just pick something where you say, okay, I'm going to raise this with my wife and say, hey, how would you feel about us, you know, praying one night a week together for 15 minutes? You feel good about that? Good. I'm initiating that. Let's do it. Let's do it Thursday night. We're going to pray for 15 minutes after we put the kids down together. Something like that. Just start small, but you start to initiate. Don't just wait for her to do that. And you know what? In my experience, women respond really well to that. They actually really love to see their man taking the lead and starting to initiate things, initiate date night, you know, initiate romantic things with your wife.
0: If you put together a plan, you know, you don't just say, yeah, let's let's just wing it and let's figure it out. If, if you have put some thought and time into it and it doesn't even take a lot, you know, calling her favorite restaurant, making a reservation, you know, like you are getting a sitter you know, if, if you have kids or you, you making it so that that experiences as, you know, yes. and I think as men, we can often build these things up in our mind. That's going to it's going to take all this time and it's going to be all this money or like and the reality is sometimes we can't find a babysitter for our five kids. And so it's like, all right, well, we just need to get the kids down and then we have an in in home date, you know, and that might be you coming up with just two or three good questions that's that generate conversation, you know. Things like, what can I be doing in the next, in this coming week to demonstrate love to you? What could we do in the coming week that would make you feel like we're moving forward in this area? You know, that intentionality, that that showing initiative and leadership. Uh, I think women are, are dying to have someone to follow. Not that they're not capable, but if you're married, like your wife, there's something in her, whether she knows it or not, that she wants to submit to your leadership. She wants... You know, it takes the pressure off her feeling like oh, I got to think of I got to think of the meals. And I got to think how the kids school stuff. I mean, like there's a million things that weigh on women, you know, and and the more we can say, what can I or another question is, what can I take off your plate today that will help you feel not so burdened? You know, yeah. if your wife feels like you are attempting to protect her. You know, there are times when our wives don't even realize like how much they're carrying <laughs> And and we yeah. need to help help take some of that off of them at times.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Planning conveys so much care. And sometimes I think we think, oh, I don't care what night of the week do you want to go out? Well, what restaurant do you want to go out? What, you know, and it's like, even if you choose the wrong restaurant, just make a choice. And I'm not saying just choose it, choose it based off of what you think she would like. Even if you get it wrong, it communicates something of care to, to just make a decision and start you know, not putting everything on her. Steve, we're about out of time here, but I wanted to ask you about counseling um, before we close here. Why is, is counseling important? Why should people get counseling? Have Have you seen that be transformative in people's lives, marriages, families?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think just like going to the doctor for a checkup or taking your car in to get looked at, you know, from time to time, like we all, the nature of life is kind of entropy. Like we all Tending towards like drift, things falling apart, and because it is so subtle, we don't realize it at times. We uh, we fall into habits of communication and just behavior that can deepen divides between us and our spouse or other people in our life. Uh, oftentimes, what we're communicating is not necessarily wrong, but how we're communicating it is unhelpful to other people. A lot of times, I've in my experience, majority of of marital issues or relational issues are just like little. They're little things that with some small tweaks, you know, can communicate what you want, help you get what you want, but also help the other person like to get what they want. So it's not a it's not a win-lose situation. It's it's helping to come to win-win situations, you know, or solutions. Yeah, you improve your communication, which helps that other person know what's most helpful for you. And I find that in those dialogues, it helps, it becomes reciprocal. That other person can express how, you know, what would be most helpful, you know, and it's learning just um, little things like if there is conflict rather than coming at that person with, with accusations or, or these um, extreme statements, well, you always do this, or you never do this, you know, just saying, Hey, you know what, when you said this the other day, you were right, but how you said it was, was unhelpful. You know, what would be really helpful for me is like, you know, if, if I'm doing this or if you're having a problem, just say, Hey, you know what, when you left that there, you know, if you, you forgot to clean up after yourself, it just, it made me feel like you don't care about like how, our, you know, and so it's, it's, it's helping, um, helping people just clean up their communication. A lot of times so often we focus on symptoms. We focus on what we're seeing and what behaviors are when there's, there's often underlying things that maybe that person doesn't realize. And so there's, there's triggering happen happening because there's things underneath the surface that need to be dealt with. And it may not have anything to do with that other person you're having conflict with may have something to do with your parents or, you know, like things that have happened to you previously. So there's something so helpful about you verbally processing things in your past or things that are currently happening, because as you, as you are communicating those things, it does something for you to hear those, you know, and it's really helpful to, yeah, to be able to process it with someone who's objective, you know, and can kind of say, you know, I noticed when you said this, you know, you, you, you kind of deflated or you, you know, they can kind of see things in your body language and those kind of things that maybe you just aren't aware of.
2: Yeah, yeah. So good, Steve. Again, I think we could probably talk for the next two hours here, but in wrapping things up, you know, for me, I don't want to have an okay marriage. I don't want to have a decent marriage. I don't even want to necessarily have a good marriage. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have a God-glorifying marriage. I want to be the leader in my household. I want to be a great father. And so for those of you out there listening, sometimes I think people think well, you can really only get counseling if things are really bad. And sometimes things are really bad, but even if you just feel like things are just okay or just good, I would encourage you to actually invest on some measure into your marriage, invest into your parenting, and really reach out to people that, like Steve said, can can see you from the outside. So, Steve, if somebody's connecting with you today... Maybe they want to donate to what you're doing with those women in crisis pregnancy, or maybe they want to work with you with counseling. I know you do virtual counseling as well. So if someone wants marriage counseling or or family counseling, what's the best way for someone to reach you? Email is probably the best way.
0: And I can be reached at Steven with a V, S-T-E-V-E-N cross C-R-O-S-S at dot org. And then I can give them access to my calendar, where they could um, they could book book a slot in my uh, in my calendar. Yeah, for anyone that is watching this podcast, um, I'll give a 30-minute free consultation, no obligation. You know, and if you feel like you want to go further, then we can uh, set up a plan for that and have different kind of packages that I offer. And so uh, you can also find me at uh, the Real Steve Cross. I have uh, just recently. Kind of dove into the world of Instagram and um, looking to put out some more regular content, uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, would love to connect with people. Uh, my passion is to see family. I believe families are the foundation of our society. Uh, as the family goes, um, so do we go. And so I want to see men regain a vision uh, or gain a vision for biblical masculinity, uh, be the leader of their home, to see marriages thrive, uh, because that's that's the universe that kids are raised in. And so if they have, they see strong men and women flourishing together, that's the kind of people that they're going to, they're going to become. So I'm passionate about seeing the family grow and and
2: flourish the glory, glory of God. So, uh, let's do it. I love it. I love it. Steve, this has been awesome. I definitely encourage you if you want to get involved with what Steve's doing with the Women in Crisis Pregnancy or if you if you want to talk about counseling. I mean, amazing. Steve just said that he will give anybody who's listened to this podcast a free 30-minute consultation with no obligations. So if you just want a free counseling session, this just the free session itself could be transformative for your marriage and and for your relationship with your kids. So I do encourage you to reach out to Steve. Steve, thank you so much for being a guest on our show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Absolutely. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Caleb Spitler,
1: and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Chosen Podcast, powered by The King's Council. If you loved what you heard, give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also watch this podcast and much more on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash King's Council Coaching.